Hey, Financially Inclined listeners, we really want to know more about you. We'd love for you to take our quick and anonymous survey. Just go to marketplace.org slash survey to complete it. It takes less than five minutes and it would really help us out. So thank you. Okay, now let's start the show. What's up, everybody? I'm Janely Espinal. Welcome to Financially Inclined from Marketplace. We're sharing money lessons for living life your own way. In this episode, we're jumping into buy now, pay later services. You know, Afterpay, Affirm, and Klarna. Here's how it works. Let's say you're on the Shein website or Adidas website and you find exactly what you're looking for. But when you go look at the cart total, it's adding up to way more than you thought. When you go to checkout, you might see the icons for these buy now, pay later services pop up as a payment option. If you use them, they'll break up your payment into four equal chunks and then you agree to send a payment every two weeks. So let's say that outfit is $100. Instead of paying that up front, you just pay $25 and then another $25 every two weeks until you've paid the full $100. Now, this can be a solid option if you don't have all the money for an item up front, but you know that you will have the rest of it in a couple weeks. But often, these services actually encourage us to spend money that we don't have at all and leads to people taking on even more debt than they would have otherwise. To get more details about this, I talked to Joshua Bote. He's a tech editor at SFGate in San Francisco. He's 25 years old and really cares about issues that affect Gen Z, which is why he chose to investigate Buy Now, Pay Later services. I feel like a lot of the teenagers that I've worked with in schools and young people that I've spoken to, what I hear a lot of them say is, actually, this sounds like it's really helpful. (laughs) This sounds like it could come in handy. You can kind of see that, yeah, it's being positioned in this uh, really great, helpful way, but there's actually some problems that come from it as well. So what would you say to them if they ask, you know, so what's the problem? This sounds great to me. It does sound really great. And a lot of influencers I spoke to who were critical of buy now, pay later got a lot of angry messages that were like, these services seem great. These services seem really helpful. I don't know what's going on. But the tricky thing is that because these services encourage you to spend more, not only are you, you know, run the risk of getting, getting fined by your bank, you end up just spending more because you think that you're not paying that much money in general. Um, I, one of the statistics that was so wild to me was that the average shopping cart for a regular purchase is around $100, right? But one of the companies that I spoke to Affirm, their data found that the average cart size using Affirm is $365, nearly four times right? how much you would spend normally if you didn't use these services. So you run into the risk of overspending. You run into this issue where you're buying so much more stuff that you don't actually need because you feel like you can afford it now. Yeah, I think that's definitely a good point because what you look at on the screen 
is like a small number compared to what you expected to pay. And there's kind of a little bit of like psychology going on. Like it's messing with your mind a little bit because it's playing a trick on you. You think that you're getting kind of like a discount, but it's not a discount. And so I, I know like some people, they see buy now, pay later, and they probably thinking this is a safer option. This is something that, you know, is better than taking credit card debt with those high interest rates and, and doing those negative debt cycles that a lot of the older, you know, millennials have. So for a younger Gen Z shopper, that might be like, you know, a safer, it might seem like a safer, a better, smarter uh, financial choice. What would you say to that? Like, how would you respond to them thinking that these are different and this is much better than credit card debt? I use TikTok a lot as a lot of people did, especially during quarantine. And what I started noticing was that a lot of people would use these services and joke about these services in a way that almost felt a little bit absurd. They would be like, I'm going to buy a mansion next to Kylie Jenner and it'd be like a billion dollars, but I can, you know, I can portion it out using Afterpay or Klarna or a firm with like a million payments. And it got me thinking, why are these services so popular and why are they so pervasive, especially among Gen Z? You feel like these things are better because they advertise on their face, no late fees, no interest. And those are the things that scare young people the most about having a credit card, right? Here's the thing with credit cards, because they've been around for so long, there are laws now that require credit card companies to behave in a certain way, treat their customers in a certain way. And that sort of requirement makes it harder for credit card companies to take advantage of you. When you compare that to buy now, pay later services, which don't have those same set of laws that they have to abide by, in actuality, you because you're spending more money, because they're taking out money from your checking account and you could run to overdraft fees, there are risks that you get into when using these services, even if it seems a little less risky on its face. And the, you're right, the marketing of this is exceptionally, it's really, really good. And part of that is because of influencers you see on Instagram, you see them on TikTok, you see them holding up like a cool new purse or a cool new pair of sneakers. And so often you get confused. You don't know whether it's real life or if you got, if these companies paid that person to show off their cool new thing that they got basically for free. And that's the tricky difference is that you know what the risks are of credit cards. We all know, we know they're scary. But we don't know what the risks are of buy now, pay later services yet because the laws haven't required them to fully show what they're up to, what kind of debt people are in. And it's tricky. Yeah, that's a good point that the there's two parts of it. It's like the laws don't really cover what they can and cannot do the same way as credit cards. They kind of, you know, credit cards have to follow certain rules. They have to do things a certain way versus buy now, pay later is just so new that it doesn't have as many rules and laws to follow. But at the same time, it doesn't have as much reporting requirements. So, you know, they don't really have to talk about what the numbers are, you know, behind closed doors. They can keep those things a little more secretive. They're kind of skirting around the laws right now, like kind of tiptoeing around it and getting away with something that really maybe some people would say is not right, is maybe not ethical and is just so new that they're getting away with it right now. Do you feel like do you feel like it's fair to say that? Skirting the law is a really great description. So one of the laws in question is called the Truth and Lending Act. And the Truth and Lending Act 
basically is what credit card companies have to follow to make sure that they're not taking advantage of customers. And one of the key things of this law is that they can regulate services with five or more payments. And this is such a tricky thing, right? These paid-for services don't have to follow this law because their services are split up into four payments so that they can sort of go around this law. I wonder about people that, you know, maybe they are wondering if, is there a time where using buy now, pay later services is actually okay. Like it's going to be helpful. And I paid all my payments and, and it was, and it was something that actually made my life a little easier. But so if you're a young person and you're looking at this and you're thinking, maybe I want to do it or not, but I don't know, like, how do you decide, is this a good thing or a bad thing for you and your financial situation? My goal with my article wasn't to shame people for using it or to, you know, outright say never use these services because there is a time and a place. And, you know, if you need it for necessities, if you need it for groceries or gas or something that you just absolutely need in order to exist as a human in this world, by all means, go for it. The other thing that I would suggest is if you're going to have to use these services, have the money on hand, at least like I'm not a financial expert by any means, but I would think like at least have half of what this big purchase will be, right? So if you're going to make like a $600 purchase, have a few hundred dollars on hand in order to make sure that you're not running into those um, withdrawal, into into fees with your bank for not having enough money in your balance. Um, Try to use these services responsibly and not that often too. And as troubling as these services are, for some respects, they're, they can be used like any other financial tool in a way that can help you and help you pay for things that you need. And yeah, I think that it's important to note that these services are just like any other ones. They're like credit cards. They have their own risks, but they also have their own rewards. I have another question because I'm curious here. You talk so much about this and you research so much about this. After all the reporting are you ever going to use buy now, pay later services again? Why or why not? <laughs> oh, put you on the spot. <laughs> again, that's, yeah, I feel a lot of pressure. I, so I'm going to be frank, Yanelli, I am. Because now that I know all the risks of getting into it, I feel like an informed consumer. And that's sort of the goal of these stories. And that's the goal of your show. And that's the goal of, anyone who's trying to be more responsible with their finances is to be an informed consumer and being and having all that information really helps you use these products more smartly. I feel like I know when exactly I can use buy now pay later in a way that is responsible for me. And I know that next time I use it, I'm not going to do it because I want the fancy sweater and I'm not going to, and I can't afford it right now, but I'm going to use it for something that I really need and something that's really expensive and something that is going to be worth it for many, many years to come. Yeah, that's that's keeping it real right there. And also, I think you said that, you know, you have some rules, some basic rules that you follow too. Like, do I have 50% of this total price now? Do I have, you know, and maybe that's not everybody's rule, but it's a rule that you have that will work for you. Um, so I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Okay, so you heard Joshua. It's not like he's going to just give up using these services forever. 
there is definitely a time and a place to use stuff like this. So now that you know about the pros and cons of these services, it's worth taking some time tonight or later this week to really think about what you're choosing to buy and if you have enough money right now to even buy that thing. If you know you're going to have the money, go for it. But if you're really not sure, then you might be getting yourself into some money trouble. And most of us don't even know what the impact of that money trouble will be because this is all so new. If you've never used these services before, hopefully now you feel better prepared to decide if you do want to use this in the future or not. And if you do use them, you don't have to change everything about how you're shopping and spending, but just be a bit more thoughtful about how your purchases are going to impact you. All right, catch you next time. Financially Inclined is brought to you by Marketplace from American Public Media in collaboration with NextGen Personal Finance. I'm your host, Daneli Espinal. Haley Hirschman is our senior producer. Our video editor is Mallory Brangan, with help this week from Stephen Bayon, which, by the way, if you didn't know, this is also a video podcast. You can check us out on YouTube. Hannah Green produced this episode, engineering by Becca Weinman, Bridget Bodner is the director of podcasts. Francesca Levy is the executive director. And Neil Scarborough is the general manager of Marketplace. Financially Inclined is funded in part by the Cy Sims Foundation, partnering with organizations and people working for a better and more just future since 1985. And special thanks to the Renzetta Family Charitable Fund and NextGen Personal Finance for continuing to support Marketplace in our work to make younger audiences smarter about the economy.